life is relentless. There is no intermission. And one thing that we can do, we can sit here together for a moment and look at each other and acknowledge that this is really happening and that we're not alone. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't wanna just go to work, I wanna do my life's work, this is the show. Don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Thanks to Robinhood for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Robinhood is giving my listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at dreamjob.robinhood.com. That's dreamjob.robinhood.com. We're also supported by Cora. The average woman will use 10,000 tampons in her lifetime. Do you know what's in them? Cora created certified organic cotton tampons and pads delivered to your door. You can get a one-month free trial by going to cora.life slash dreamjob. And thanks to BioClarity. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. Save 40% on skincare routines, plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter the code dreamjob at checkout. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am so excited to see some of you this week at the Dreamtopia Workshop. It is going to be so much fun. There are like 12 countries being represented by all of you who bought tickets from different corners of the globe who are flying in. That is so exciting. I'm really also happy about today's guest. I believe that last Friday was International Women's Day. And if there was ever going to be somebody that we would have on uh, to celebrate that, I think today's guest is really, truly somebody who walks the walk and has so much compassion for so many people and is not afraid to uh, stand up and speak her mind. Her name is Amanda Palmer. And I'm so looking forward to having this conversation with her because one of the biggest takeaways of Amanda's message is how she takes pain and turns it into purpose. You're going to hear her talk about some really difficult things that she's gone through and how she used music and she used her art to heal not only herself, but others. And those broken pieces then actually are the things that fix and heal others. Someone recently showed me that in Japan, when an object is broken, they take gold. And when they put it back together, the parts where it was broken, they highlight in gold so that anybody who's ever to see that piece again and looks at that object will see where it was once broken. And they want to celebrate that because we know that the parts of us that are wounded and the pieces that are broken really only make us that much more beautiful and then allow us to heal and fix and glue other people back together as well as ourselves. And so Amanda is an amazing example of that. And I'm so happy that she's here. And our guest today wrote a book and did a TED Talk all about asking for help. And I need your help. We obviously don't charge for this podcast and we are creating content. You don't know what goes into this and how many hours we spend recording episodes and booking guests and writing cheat sheets and spending time in the Facebook group. And we love it. We love every second of it. It helps us so much when you review the show and when you share the show, because the more people who subscribe and review the show, the more we are able to keep funding everything that we're doing. So if you wouldn't mind, it would mean the world to me if you would go to iTunes and make sure that you leave us a review and subscribe, and then make sure you take some time and say, Kathy's my girl. I want to support her. I am going to forward either this episode or another episode I loved to three friends and let them know that they should subscribe because I know that they will get so much out of this. That 
that would mean the world to me. Also, you can pre-order my book and you can find the link in the show notes. It's only like 25, 26 bucks. You can buy it from Barnes and Noble. You can buy it from Amazon. You can buy the audio version. That will be so tremendous. I will be continuing to give away goodies to those of you who pre-order. And those of you who do review the show, I'm doing a giveaway on my Instagram, which I will talk about again later. But you can go to my Instagram and you can find there is a post that says giveaway with Herschel backpacks in the photo. I'm giving away three Herschel backpacks and three gift cards to Nordstrom. Please go ahead and leave us a review and then find that giveaway post on my Instagram. Let us know that you went ahead and did it. I will be picking three of you just to say thank you, but please do it. But I really, really appreciate it more than you know. Okay. So Today's guest, her name is Amanda Palmer. She's a singer, songwriter, a musician, an artist, a performer, an author, a TED Talk speaker. You may have heard her music when she was in the band The Dresden Dolls or her solo album, Who Killed Amanda Palmer? Or maybe you've heard her most recent album, There Will Be No Intermission, is what it's called. And what makes her extraordinary is that she has this deep, genuine relationship with her audience. She takes the time to listen to them. She wants to hear what they have to say about her music and about their own life and why her songs move them. She's not afraid to ask them how they are and sit with them in their pain. And she's not afraid to ask them for help when she needs it. In fact, she wrote a book called The Art of Asking, which was also the title of her TED Talk. And considering she raised $1.2 million on Kickstarter and continues to be the queen of crowdfunding, I think it's safe to say she knows a thing or two about this topic. She has so much wisdom to shed and the way she speaks is raw and poetic. So I'm so happy to be sharing this conversation with you. Before we get into that, let's say a quick thanks to our sponsor. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You could also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Don't Keep Your Day Job a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at dreamjob.robinhood.com. Okay, please welcome the extraordinary, amazing Amanda Palmer. Amanda Palmer, I am so happy that you are sitting here right now. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. Well, I've known about you for a long, long time, and you're so awesome. Um, But you have so much that you can do just by being you to give other people permission to lead a life that is so much more alive. So let's go into your story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this girl who had a dream and decided to surf some couches and change the world? Let's get into it. The whole story actually starts with me as a kid. I was a very kind of like weird, quite introverted. I really liked spending time alone, but I also was like the class clown type. And I was very... Mm -hmm really into music, really into stage. You know, I started a fanzine when I was in eighth grade and tried to sell it to everyone in my grade. (laughs) I love that. I just liked fiddling and I loved songwriting and I loved collaging. And I got to a point probably in my high school years where I really, 
I felt the fire of wanting to be a performing songwriter. Mm-hmm. I just looked at all the jobs available in my little world. And I thought, if that's a job that you can have, I want that job. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mm-hmm. know how you get that job. And both of my parents, my mom and my stepdad, were raised by by immigrants. And it was really important that every one of their kids went to college. It was a non-starter. And I sort of looked at my parents as a senior and I was like, I don't know, college? Like, I just knew I wanted to be an artist. I knew I wanted to make music. And I didn't know why I would want to go to college. But I went to make my parents happy. And I spent the next four years of my life feeling really at sea. But also, you know, those were really difficult years of my life. And I it's taken me a long time to go back and untangle. I got into a really kind of frightening relationship with a guy who, an artist who I loved very much, but who was doing heroin. Mm, um, I broke, I broke up with him and he died just after I broke up with him. That's really and a lot. That's yeah, a lot. A few days after that, my grandmother died. A few months after that, my brother died of Lou Gehrig's disease oh suddenly. And a few days after that, my grandfather died. That all happened in five months of my life as a 19-year-old. That is a tremendous amount of trauma. All at once. And I just didn't have any tools at the time as a 19-year-old to synthesize any of that, you know. And I already was feeling confused and depressed and anxious about being in college and didn't know how to make Jeez. friends. So I just spent a lot of time in God. my cinder block box dorm. But, you know, fast forward, as soon as I graduated from college, the minute I was out of there, I just have been on a trajectory of being more and more happy. <laughs> since, Like I hit my nadir at 19 and it's just been up and up since, since okay, 20, okay, graduation right. day at 22. And I also, I look back and all of that stuff germinated and and fed who I am now and what I am now and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade a minute of it even the trauma even the loss and nothing's really regrettable if you look at it the right way wow well that's an incredibly healthy perspective which probably came through a lot of grieving and soul searching but um what happened to that girl who was someone who could go to get a can a carton of milk and no one would know your name to a person who wound up becoming very well known and well known for doing something that most people don't know how to do which is ask for help so how did all of that come to be why don't you tell us that story yeah that's a really good question i when i started my band when i was 25 the dresden dolls and you know we came from a real punk folk lineage where we played basement shows and we played friends' houses and there wasn't always a whole lot of monetary exchange. It was really about the tribe and connection and support and crashing on other people's floors. And my band took that attitude and that MO with us as we grew in stature. You know, even when we got signed to a major label and we had more money um, and we were touring around in tour buses, we we still felt that it was really important to meet everybody, to sign after every show, to mm, hang out, to, to share stories, to stay at our friends' houses. 
And Mm -hmm. that was basically just the philosophy I swam in. And my friends were all like that. I didn't feel uh, weird or singled out. You know, everyone I knew sort of operated like that. Everyone was forever just exchanging art favors and exchanging resources because that's, we just shared what we had. And when I, when I did my massive Kickstarter in 2012 and got a lot of blowback Mm -hmm. for asking my fans for something, at least in our milieu, for something quite usual, which is I'm going on tour. If you play instruments, come up on stage. You know, this isn't a paid gig, but if you want to do it, great. Sign up over here. And as usual, you know, you can come backstage, you can hang out, we'll give you merch. This was just something so par for the course in my community that I didn't think twice about asking for it. But, you know, I had exploded in the media spotlight right before that because of my Kickstarter. So all these people from outside my community and outside my world were all of a sudden investigating me and how Amanda Palmer does things and finding flaws like Mm. that. And even though I doubled down on it and still to this day would absolutely defend that decision. And by the way, still do things like that. But I had to stop and think, why is it that I think that this stuff is okay and that I've been running my life this way without ever really thinking twice about it or considering? And why do other people think this is so weird? And that's why I stopped. And instead of just making my next record, I made a TED talk. And instead of making a record after that, I wrote a book because I really wanted to understand why the world thought the way it thought about when we are and aren't allowed to ask for help. Yeah. I just want to make sure people are clear how successful your crowdfunding was. So tell us what that looked like Well, actually, my first thing, my first exercise in asking for monetary help from my crowd was just over the internet. You know, I, back in 2009, I think, I did a big pre-order on my website where I just basically did a Kickstarter without Kickstarter. And I went out to my fan base and I said, I need money to manufacture this record. Can you all pre-order it so that I have the money to print it? And... You know, I forget how many sales we had, but it was about $100,000 worth of sales Stop of my first it. independent record God, after I got amazing. off my label. You know, but I was also very, very close to my community. And I had been collecting their emails for 10 years and staying in really close touch through those and through my blog. So I knew that my audience would have my back. Um, and then Kickstarter showed up as a tool. And then... Patreon showed up as a tool and I just hopped over where it seemed like the tools would work the best and be the most convenient. Then I decided to kickstart my next big record, which was in 2012. And I baked in and, and built in a lot of perks. So ultimately 25,000 people pre-ordered the record either on vinyl or CD. I also included an art book with a lot of artwork based on the music made by a ton of different artists, all of, you know, Mm -hmm. all of whom were hired and paid. And there was just a lot of stuff. There were house parties, there were, there were art prints, there were, you know, there were all sorts of bells and whistles. And in the final tally, I got about a million point two dollars worth of pre-orders for all of this stuff, all of this merch, all of these experiences. It's always important for me to clarify, and it 
astounded me that it was important for me to clarify at the time because a lot of people misunderstood it. That was a million dollars worth of pre-orders. It wasn't profit. It was the opposite. It was capital to make and ship a bunch of stuff, which at the end of the day right. actually cost me more than a million dollars to manufacture really? and send out. Wow. Um, but, you know, I considered it a loss leader because everyone in my community got what they wanted. And then I went out and toured the record and I made money on the road. And it kind of, at the end of the day, broke even or even lost a little bit of money. But, you know, my income streams were also live touring and downloads and Bandcamp and other things. And then Patreon came along and Kickstarter was really exhausting. You know, asking for help is, you know, it's good. You should do it, but it can be exhausting. <laughs> and right as I was thinking, there's got to be a better way. Jack Conti, the guy who started Patreon, called me up and said, hey, yeah. I have this new platform where you just have to convince people once. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what Patreon is. It's basically evergreen subscription style crowdfunding. So that's when I that's when I switched to Patreon and now I have something akin to an ongoing Kickstarter, which is a fifteen thousand people paying me an average of about three dollars or more a month. And with that money I make whatever I want. I can make literally anything I can think up that's digitally deliverable, I can make. Podcasts, that music, amazing poetry, weird animations. And the most beautiful thing about it is that I'm not answerable to anybody. It doesn't have to be commercial. It doesn't have to be appropriate. It doesn't have to go through any board meetings at a major label. I can literally just speak my mind and make my art in peace and know that it's prepaid. It's revolutionary. It's also, again, it's really important that the narrative not exclude the amount of money it costs to run a business like this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm basically running a full-time production house. You know, I have a staff, I have an office in New York, I have rent, I have lots of bills, you know, videos don't yeah. make themselves And you're creating free. content I'm crea constantly. I'm creating content. Costs money. And, you know, yep. and some of my projects have cost $5,000 to produce. Some of them have cost 50. Some of them have come yeah. in technically at a loss, but but I get to choose how I want this to work. And, and what's, and what I didn't expect starting this process is how liberating it would be to not need anyone's approval ever mm -hmm. at any stop on the journey and to just be able to get an idea, see it through, create it, deliver it to my audience and not to have anyone in a marketing meeting saying, hmm, are you sure this is going to be oh, good yeah. for such and such? Yeah, that is true freedom. Like what you're describing is something that most artists who work in the scenario where they have a label and a whole team of people around them, they don't have that kind of freedom. Yeah, it's a beautiful freedom. And I think that people listening are probably compelled by this idea right now and thinking, well, how do I do that? Yeah. And should I do that? Yeah. When is it a good time for someone to do some kind of a Patreon? So give us some insight. I would love to. So, I mean, I, I learned so much about crowdfunding and what does and doesn't work and why. Yeah. Not just doing my own, but swimming deeply in the waters of Kickstarter and crowdfunding mm -hmm. and looking at literally hundreds, probably thousands of mm. artists, 
creators and then and then a little bit later just regular folks trying to pay their medical bills and the most obvious thing to me that stood out is that the people who failed at crowdfunding failed to grasp the primary tenant of crowdfunding which is you cannot fund unless you have a crowd and i was shocked that really intelligent people would come to me complaining hey you bullshitted me this stupid system doesn't work i put up a kickstarter and literally no one contributed to it and i would stop and say well wait you know who who was the intended audience and did you know that of course that you know you had an audience to whom you were talking who wanted to help you but just didn't have the right. means because that's what crowdfunding is and a lot of these people just thought that there would be imaginary community out there that they hadn't found yet that didn't exist but who would see their story or see their art and be magically fantastically compelled to all of a sudden care about them and their story and toss them 10 bucks mm-hmm. it's like to me that was as naive as thinking that if you opened a bank account there might be money in it it doesn't yeah, work that that's way that's a really good analogy like there's just no free ride in exchange you have to have given something you have to have provided mm-hmm. something you have to have created the fertile ground in which someone was ready to say oh yeah you i know you I've seen your art. I care about you. I'm invested. Of course, I'll give you 10 bucks. Yeah. Everything ultimately is based on relationships. And that if you don't have any relationships and you do a crowdfund, imaginary fantastic relationships are not going to sprout out of the magic internet to help you. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work that way. There's an etiquette. There's a graciousness. There's a you know, one of the important, one of the, I found when I really sat down and thought about it, the most important tenets of asking for help, you've got to be open heartedly ready to hear the word no, mm. or you're not asking right. I, I think everything you said before is just such a mic drop. Um, but it does always come back to this radical empathy and to knowing that you have to make a lot of deposits before you can ask for anything. And, and that means creating relationship and trust and community. So I'm loving this conversation. Let's just take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors. The average woman uses 10,000 tampons in her lifetime, but most of us don't know what's in them because tampon companies don't have to disclose the ingredients they use. This is why we need Cora. Cora believes what you put in your body matters, so they created certified organic cotton tampons and pads delivered to your door. Their products are designed for comfort and performance. Their fearless fit design gives women supreme leak protection, even in down dog and on white denim days. Go to Cora.life slash dream job to create your period profile and they'll customize a monthly period plan just for you. With every month's supply of Cora you purchase, they give a month's supply of pads to a girl in need with over 5 million pads donated to date. So you can feel good about the products you use knowing they are free of harmful chemicals and that your purchase helps girls in need. I use their signature kit, which is great because it gives me all the period products I need. Plus, it also comes with this cool little black box to store everything and a chic looking clutch so I can carry all the stuff with me when I'm on the go. So go to Cora.life slash dream job to get a one month free trial. This is a special offer 
offer for our listeners and their best offer out there, but you have to get it here. Cora.life slash dream job spelled C-O-R-A dot life slash dream job for a one month free trial. So what would you say to someone listening if they said, I get it, you're right. There's not going to be this magical group of humans that all of a sudden wants to send me 10 bucks. So how am I going to start to build a community and what can I be thinking about in order to really create a tribe? Well, a really interesting part of answering that question is actually shifting the focus away from the tribe and the community, which is really important and really essential when you're talking about stuff like crowdfunding and having a successful art career or whatever. But I think it's really important when you're talking about this kind of stuff to actually talk about the importance of the quality of what you're contributing. Because you can have the best tribe and the most loving, supportive community on earth. But if you make pottery that falls apart and isn't very good and isn't utilizable, it doesn't matter how loving <laughs> your tribe is. The, the key ingredient, the beginning ingredient, is always going to be the measured importance and validity of your contribution, which is measured, by the way, by your tribe and your audience. You know, they decide whether your pottery actually is something they can stick their cup of coffee in or whether the handle's going to fall off. And even though they really want right. to support you and they love you, by the time they've bought their third piece of pottery from you and it's, you know, and it's shattered, the offering, whatever it is, whether it's macrame or music, if the offering isn't really strong and utilizable and contributing something to people's lives and souls, step two isn't really going to work. So this is what right. I, this is a conversation I have a, with a lot of young artists who only want to talk to me about marketing and only want to talk to me about crowdfunding. And I always slow them down and I say, are you working on your craft? Because you do right. know that's more important, right? Like you can mm -hmm. sit there and have all the tricks up your sleeve of how to engage an Instagram audience and blah, 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 blah. But actually, no one is going to care if you aren't saying and contributing something of value right. to them, to their right. hearts. Right. So like right. get that part down and then you go with your beautiful offering, your beautiful contribution to your tribe and and you've got something to offer that you really believe in. And then step two happens and I can get back to your question and say, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't get to just ask. You also have to contribute. You have to take interest in other people's lives and work. You can't just be a taker, mm -hmm. you know, and that requires just a kind of an ongoing mindful diligence, whatever your yeah. community is. You can't, ask a million people to read your manuscript if you're not reading your friend's manuscripts. Yeah. And what you're talking about is something that comes up a lot on this show, which is very, very much at the core of building anything that's successful, whether it's your marriage or your best friend's relationship with you, or it's your business, which is knowing that you need to contribute something to this other person and 
what you call that in business might be like validating your product. It might be called proof of concept, but knowing that you're creating something that somebody needs and wants. So that has to be first. And there are people listening to this who probably just thought to themselves, you know what? I've been putting the cart before mm -hmm. the horse. I was all excited when she said that she's able to make all this money and I'm ready to go. And yeah, I've never sold a single painting yeah. or I don't know if anybody likes the the cupcakes that I make. So when you were doing your work, how do you feel like you were able to figure that out and find that sweet spot of being authentic, which you certainly are, and at the same time, understanding your audience, like what kinds of ways were you getting that feedback? Well, you know, one of the most important things that I didn't really clock until I was looking at it, Brian and I, the sole two members of the Dresden Dolls, my band, we stayed at every venue after we were done playing. We would set up, wow. you know, when we were playing bars and clubs, we would just set up at the front of the venue where the merch desk was. When we were playing bigger theaters, we would set up in the lobby. We would set up somewhere without, almost without fail after every show. And we would do what we called signing for the fans. Um, but the important aspect of doing that wasn't signing autographs. I mean, we did that and that was good and it made people happy. But the more important exchange that was going on constantly, you know, we would sometimes sign for five, 600 people. But yes, that's incredible dedication. But people were telling us their stories. Why this band means really so much to me why this song called Delilah means so much to me, where I was when I heard your first record and my mom was fighting cancer, why I love this band so much, like why all of these songs meant yeah. something. Yeah. And it was way better feedback than reading reviews in Rolling Stone and Spin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Because it, it was the real deal. It was like actually getting huge loads of real-time feedback about the impact of our music and our message yeah. from the people who mattered. Because as nice mm -hmm. or as obnoxious as the rock critics at Rolling Stone and Spin may have been, they right. were one <laughs> dude. And, you know, and they just didn't hold a candle to literally thousands and thousands of men and women coming yeah. to our shows and saying, this is why it mattered to me. This is how it hurt me. This yep. is how it made me feel. You know, and you couldn't deny that kind of emotional connection. You know, you, you take that and then every time I went back to the piano, every time I went back to write another song, I carried all of that with me. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how so many artists feel so scared that they're going to lose their authenticity if they begin to even think about what anyone else needs. And you are so clearly yourself and you carried all that with you to the piano. So what does that say? Well, I think it's really useful to rewind the clock way further back and think about why human beings, think of us as tribal mammals. Why did human beings for thousands and thousands and thousands of years need and make music? Why did they do it? Why did we come up with this crazy idea of banging on stuff and talking about our experiences in song. Why? 
and we do it so that we don't feel alone. That's why we do it. And we've gotten so far away from the basic, you know, the fundamental point. Why do we make and share yeah. art? Why do we make and share music? Mm-hmm. Why do we make and share stories with each other? We do it so we don't feel alone in this experience, in this life, in all the suffering we face. Yep. It's so healing. It helps you feel. It helps you process. It gives you a space to hold those feelings. Um, In your work, you've gone on to do something huge beyond all of these other powerful things, which is encourage people to need other people. And that is so fierce. Um, (laughs) And you say in your title, your book, The Art of Asking, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Let People Help. And I think that this is so important because people do feel alone and people do feel isolated. And we sit there and we're more and more alone because of social media and because you can order your Postmates to your house and you can order your whatever. You don't even need to leave your house. And we used to live in community, in tribes, and we were made to do that. And I don't think it's good for our mental health to be alone as much as we are. Um, And people forget how to ask for help. And there's this whole thing about like, you should be able to do it all. And you don't need anybody. And if you're a really empowered woman, you don't need a guy. You don't need a girl. You don't need anything. You got it. It's like, what is that? It's so not it. It's so so not not it. it. It's so (laughs) not it. And there's also, you know, there's this thing about like this deeply misunderstood thing about DIY, right? Do it yourself. But the definition, I mean, the real working definition of DIY in the punk scene was we do it. We all collectivize, we get together, mm. we start bands, we help each other out, we borrow each other's vans. Form a street team. Yeah, it couldn't be further away from do-it-yourself. You know, it's do-it-yourself without the man. Right, like you don't need an institution, hey. you don't need a corporation, you, you, but you do need a village, right? You need, you need a, a tribe. Yeah. And also, like, it's no fun doing things by yourself. It's no fun struggling alone. It's no fun trying to figure out a problem just you all the time, proving to the world that you can bear the the weight. And we really are fed a very strange and contradictory diet of delusion about what you should be able to do by yourself without asking for support, without asking for help, without sharing your story, without grand scale compassion. It's the big sickness of our times. What do you do in a situation where people feel so not enough that they're like, who am I to ask? I'm not worthy of it. I don't feel like I have anything one ounce as special as what Amanda Palmer's creating. I'm not doing, I'm going to be lost in a sea. There's already thousands of other people doing this particular thing. And why would people want to help or why would people be interested or who am I to even put my Yeah, 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 sure. What would you say if someone was sitting with you and like tears are streaming down their face right now and they're like, I just, I don't know how you have the guts and the courage to put yourself out there. Like I don't feel deserving like you are, but I'm not you. So I'm stuck. Well, and I've, I've been there and, um, I think there's two things that 
come up when you when you ask me that one is often you've got to go back and heal some serious wounds yeah um because if you feel fundamentally unworthy unhelpable unlovable and i relate i've been in that place myself in, in quite a hardcore way especially when i was younger it's so necessary to just start right there and say, well, wait, 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 why? Let's just stop. Like, let's just stop right there. And like, why do you feel like you don't deserve anything? Why do you feel like you're not supposed to get love? Why do you feel like you don't matter that we're going to have to work on that before we talk about anything having to do with art or money? Yeah. Because we're, you know, so many of us so punished for wanting and needing even just the simplest yes, things, love, true. attention, yeah. care. And those are just the building blocks, right? When you can get past that, one of the most important things I see come up with people is, is scale. You know, we're not supposed to be loved by millions of people. That's not what success in life looks like success in life looks like having just enough care and love and time and energy and attention from the few people around you in your life who you can actually pay back and you know that can be a few friends a small social circle you know, an important relationship here, an important relationship there, a little community who loves this one thing you did or do. I mean, especially like I think about this all the time, having been raised as a wannabe musician in the 80s, right? And my scale, like my perspective on life and the world and what success was gonna have to be. I was looking at Madonna. I was looking at Prince. And I was like, okay, that's the the stairs lead there. I'm going to have to do that if I really want to call myself a good yeah. musician. That, ooh, that's, right. <laughs> that's a lot, but I guess I'm going to have to aim up there because that's, those were the goalposts. Right. And it took me a really long time to like regurgitate that Kool-Aid and understand that those weren't the goalposts. And I, you know, by the time I was in my late thirties, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, that's not the point. I mean, the point is that I write yeah. some songs and they make some people feel some things and I have enough to pay my rent. That's the point. That's it. I think that's the new and improved American dream is like, I am here to make a difference and do something that I love. And if I can do something I love and make a difference, boy, I like hit the jackpot. Okay. I have a few more things to ask you, but first a quick ad break. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. Their skincare line offers easy-to-use regimens with good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. Whenever I use anything from BioClarity, my skin feels so soft and rejuvenated. It's nice to know that products I'm using on my body are full of good ingredients. My favorite is their essential routine for normal or dry skin. 
This comes with everything you need to nurture, hydrate, and restore your skin. It's a simple three-step regimen, cleanse, restore, and hydrate. It's packed full of detoxifying and calming nutrients, antioxidants, and a super special ingredient called Floralux from plants. You can only find Floralux in BioClarity, actually. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It nourishes and soothes your skin. It also helps with redness and hyperpigmentation and evens out skin tone and texture for a healthy glow. Sometimes I get dry skin, but with the essentials routine, my face just feels so hydrated and healed and so refreshed. You can get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com and you will save 40% on a skincare routine plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. Just enter the code dreamjob at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com. You'll get 40% off their skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use the code dreamjob at checkout. You've been so generous to take us through all of this and I want to talk about your album. So tell us about There Will Be No Intermission and tell us what made you feel compelled that you had to write this album. So the last big record I put out was the Kickstarter one, which is in 2012. It's been been... seven years. I love that. And right around the time I did my Kickstarter, my life really went into the dark, into the woods. And there were a lot of things that happened that were, you know, somewhere within my control. Most of them were beyond my control. I took care of my very best friend, Anthony, who I actually wrote about a lot in the book, who taught me everything I knew about compassion and meditation and yoga and empathy. And he he got really sick with cancer while I was on that oh Kickstarter God. tour. And so um, my husband, Neil Gaiman, and I moved moved to Boston to take care of him while he was in chemo. Mm-hmm. Then I go through a birth and right before I give birth to my son, um, I, you know, I'm seven months pregnant and I hold my best friend while he dies from cancer. All happened sort of relentlessly at the same time. And then Jeez, on Christmas of last year, I was really happily pregnant and I had a miscarriage at around three months. And all of this stuff, yeah. all of these stories you know, went into the making of the record. And I, I, I've never been a more like, (laughs) I've never used songwriting so therapeutically in my life. Right. But also at this point, I had my Patreon. I knew that I wasn't going to have to take any of these really, you know, heavy duty, therapeutic, I'm just not concerned about the radio. I just need to write these songs to survive. And I'm never going to have to take them to Stephen Marketing. I'm going to just take them right to my community and play them and put them out. And what was amazing is without that filter and without that concern, and also without having, you know, even having to be concerned about selling the songs or selling the record, it was all just prepaid. These were some of the most powerful songs I'd ever written in my career. Cause they just came straight from the heart. And I started playing these songs on tour as I was writing them and I was collecting them into a record and I saw how deeply they affected people. And I thought, right, right. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like do more of this. This is working. I'm just not going to hold back. I'm really going to just write about how I feel, what is happening, what I believe unapologetically and um, and in that sense, it was really the most direct and least sort of 
veiled in poetry record I'd ever written because it was more just like a exercise and survival and stamina and then an offering back to my community because as I was writing these songs I was reading my blog comments in real time as I always do and so many people in my community going through the same things losing their friends to suicide losing their parents to illness losing their children to you know to, to to sickness to still you know stillbirths and I was just like we're all here. It's just happening. Life is relentless. There is no intermission. We're, and this isn't going to stop happening, you know? Yeah. It, and one thing that we can do, and again, like the point of making art, the point of making songs, we can sit here together for a moment and look at each other and acknowledge that this is really happening and that we're not alone. Yeah. What you were able to do in this hour conversation is sum up the meaning of life. Um, but that's what it is. It's can we learn to sit with what is? And the truth is, we've been doing that forever. Like we have all survived 100% of our worst days. Now, could we do them with far less suffering? Yes. And being able to connect to other people on a deeper level and make space to share what you're feeling and listen to them and feel feelings together, I would say that is maybe a uh, the, the recipe to be able to sit with what is. It's not easy. People don't like making space for other people's pain or their own pain. And they want to run away or pretend like there isn't sadness or there isn't pain or it's all swept under the rug. And that's not working. So here you come and you're like, I know it's really rough and I can sit with you in it. I'm not even going to try to cheer you up. I'm just oh, gonna no, right, I'm going to do right the, I'm going to play you. you some really sad music. <laughs> yeah. I'm sit right next to you and just let you cry. Yeah. But you know, this is not a new concept. We, we cracked the code of catharsis through art long ago we've known for a really long time that making art about the dark is the sharpest tool in our arsenal of weapons against mm -hmm. grief, mm -hmm. against grief, against suffering, anger, intolerance. Art yeah. that is made about the dark isn't actually inherently depressing or, or morose. <laughs> it's actually it's the antidote. It is the light in the dark. Yeah. And if we don't go there, we aren't really able to sit in the experience in, in real life either. We've got to be able yeah, to go there right. if we're gonna if we're gonna really do the dance of life and death and come out the other side. That's right. Amazing. You are so eloquent and it's no doubt why people talk about you all the time and why you're inspiring people. You have such a huge capacity to feel things. Love feeling. And make space for other people. It's feelings. good. Um, feelings are great. How can we find your record? How can we support you? Where can we find um, you? I am about to embark on a massive tour for this record. There will be no intermission. So first of all, wherever you are, go, go listen to There Will Be No Intermission. It's not hard to find on the internet. And if you're a physical record person, you can order CDs and vinyl. But I would really encourage people, if you're, in, if you're into the music or you're into these ideas, um, I'm going to be touring theaters 
all over North America, all over Europe, all over the UK, next year in Australia and New Zealand. And the show that I'm doing is about a lot of these ideas mixed in with the music. So it's sort of a, it's like a cross between a TED talk and a, and a concert. Um, I love that. And it's not for the faint hearted. I go into some very dark places, but I, I will not leave you in the dark. I will, I will take you there, <laughs> but I will mm. also hold your hand while we're there. And I will bring you out the other side back into the light. Coming to these shows is a lot like coming to art church and crying with your brother. Art church. Ooh, art church. So the Love tour that. dates are easy to find. You can go to amandapalmer.net. You can just Google Amanda Palmer tour. And even if you're alone, come because you will probably not leave without a friend or at least a, a feeling of a little less Amazing. alone in the world. Thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for sharing so much beauty today. You speak so poetically. I it makes sense that you write music because you that's speak my that job. Way. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Everybody go check her out, go support her and enjoy uh, what it feels like to be alive and feel things. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Such a treat to talk to Amanda. Now here are some takeaways. Number one, build the audience. You cannot crowdfund without the crowd. Number two, provide give, create fertile ground for people to say, I know you, I care about you. There's no free rides in the process of exchange. Number three, be ready to hear the word no. Number four, work on the craft. Your offering must contribute something to your audience. Number five, you don't have to do this alone. The real definition of DIY is we do it. It takes a village. Number six, success is not about the scale of your followers. It's about the amount of love and time and energy you get to spend with the people who you love, who you love back. Number seven, life is relentless. There is no intermission, but we're all in this together. And number eight, art about the darkness is the sharpest tool against grief. It's actually the light in the dark, and we need to allow ourselves to go there. We have all these takeaways and some discussion questions on a cheat sheet that you can download through the link in the show notes. And if there's anything that Amanda or any of our guests have said that really resonated with you, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. It makes such a huge difference. If every single one of you would take a second right now and leave us a review, you would make my day. You will make a tangible difference for our audience and for the other people who could then come and find this show because it changes the way that we move up the iTunes charts, which helps more people find the show. Also, I'm doing a giveaway on Instagram. I'll be announcing winners today. So if you do go ahead and you leave us a review, you can send me a screenshot and I'll be picking three people to get a really cool Herschel backpack and a $50 Nordstrom gift card. So go ahead leave a review, take a screenshot, and then go to my Instagram. You'll see a post with Herschel backpacks that says giveaway. You can follow the rules there. It is exactly what I just said, except it tells you to comment when you went ahead and did that in the comments of that post. And I will be picking three people and you will be giving me a huge gift just by doing it. So there is a gift for you just by doing it because you will have the gift of knowing that you are helping us so much. I'm at Kathy.Heller on Instagram, Kathy's with a C. And we also have a wonderful Facebook community of over 9,000 awesome souls who are ready to support you and give you compassion and empathy. Just like Amanda said, you are not alone. So if you want to join that, you can find us at Don't Keep Your Day Job Community. It's a group on Facebook and we would love to have you. 
I love you guys. If you're loving the show, please share it with a friend. You can tell them about this episode or another episode and how it's impacted your life. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I will talk to you on Thursday. I'm sure that our Dreamtopia event is going to be sensational. So we will try to record some clips and maybe we can play some of those for you on the podcast. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Maybe I lost some battles and my cage got rattled, but now I'm before. But I'll win this war. Hey, I came back fighting, and now I know that nothing can hold me down anymore. I'll rewrite the rules, gonna make my move. I still got so much living left to do. Now, this. This is the moment.